from LPM, Louisville Public Media. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org. Welcome back to a new episode of Money Memories. Today, we have a first on the show as I'm featuring two guests, Marisol Perez-Chao and Fernanda Cuadra. Together, they are the founders of Aguavest, a Mexican-based platform aimed at improving financial literacy and empowerment among women in Latin America. Be sure to check out their website, www.agovest.com, at the conclusion of the show. Great. Well, good afternoon, Marisol and Fernanda, the founders of Agovest. I'm so excited to have you on Money Memories. How's doing? Hi, Lona. Super, super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're super excited. It's a, I'm so excited to have you guys on the show and to um, spread the Agovest platform to our broader audience. So let's just dive in. Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about how you grew up? And I'll start off with Fernanda. Sure. So I'm originally from Nicaragua. I was born and raised there. I came to the U.S. for college when I was 18, and I've been here ever since. And uh, I lived in New York for a little bit. I did some banking, wealth management there. Then I uh, went ahead to get an MBA where I met Marisol, and now I'm here. Great. And Marisol, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. I'm originally from Mexico, actually born and raised in Mexico City. I studied business management and then my entire my entire career has been in the startup world. I've never worked at a like a, a more established company, nothing like that. It's just startups. And I as Fer said, I did my MBA at Booth where I met her and Agovest is actually the second company that I, I've co-founded. Awesome. Well, we're going to dive into Agobest in a little bit, but before we do, I'd love it if you can share with the listeners a little bit about your earliest or most impactful money memory, starting again with Fernanda. For sure. So I think I was thinking about this question as I am an avid listener of, of your podcast. And I think that the first time or my first money memory is when I was around six or seven years old and my mom lost her job. And uh, I remember how our lifestyle changed briefly in my home. So I used to go to dance class. I had to stop going. And then also I saw products in my house switch to from one kind to maybe a cheaper brand. And then, and so I started like six years old, kind of trying to understand what's going on. It wasn't really like tough. I would just really miss my friends in dance class, I remember. So I asked my mom, I said, what happened? And then she told me, so I no longer have an income. And now we have to, you know, live in with a more within a more confined, you know, kind of way. And I learned and I said, wow, you know, I didn't quite realize that everything that we had has a cost. And so I think that opened my eyes. Eventually things, thankfully, like became better. My mom went to work and I continued and I saw my friends again from dance. But I think that was the first time that I realized what money can and what, you know, cannot buy. Yeah, wow. I think that's in fact, that's a really powerful memory. It really shows how even without having like the dollars in front of you, you can sense the change in circumstance. So thank you for sharing for sharing that example. And Marisol, what is your earliest or most impactful money memory? I don't think there's like one memory, but I think I can share with you more about like the money or money habits that my 
parents taught us. So my brothers and I, we we were lucky enough to grow up and always have everything that we needed. But all the wealth that my parents built over time, they built it through a lot and a lot and a lot of hard work. So all the like that, those lifestyle improvements or maybe like mini luxuries, etc. we would see them uh, improve over time, over the years. And that's something that my parents always taught us that money is not free. Money costs a lot and it's the result of a lot of hard work. And so my, and my brothers and I, I think we, we grew up with that mentality of, of working hard to get what we want. And also on regards of how they taught us to manage your money, my parents would always give us this uh, weekly allowance, right? It was, I think it was, I don't know, at that time, 200 pesos, which is $4, right? Approximately. And I remember that the purpose of that was for my parents to teach us how to manage money and save. And I remember that my brothers, they, I have two older brothers, they would always spend everything in the third day and they would always ask me for my money and I would always, like, all, I would always save, but I would never have anything because I would always lend my money to them. And now I was thinking about this question. I was like, they never repaid me. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, but that's how I learned to save, I think. <laughs> Yeah, supply, you know, funding the habits of your brothers. Yeah, made you into a safer. <laughs> um, I think, I think that's really interesting because I always like to ask, you know, what kind of money personalities people had at a young age. And it really seems like saving and spending is just something that it's almost, I don't know if it's genetic or what, but there is like natural savers and natural spenders. I can say that I was a natural saver. Marisol, it sounds like you were a natural saver. Fernanda, were you a natural saver or spender? I was a natural spender. I think when <laughs> when we traveled, my parents did the same. And my sister, she's younger. They would give us, you know, X amount of money for us to buy. You know, I don't know. Coming from Nicaragua to Miami, going to a Walmart or to a Target. for the, You know, it's, it was like a really exciting, everything you can buy there that we don't have at home. And I ended up always spending my money and my, my sister would be the one funding me. I used to tell her that I don't know how she did it. She always came back with like even more money that they gave her as a joke that she never she really saved. That's hilarious. So maybe that also makes you guys two, co- two good partners, right? You have the saver and the spender and the two brains can come together a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, I'd love to touch a little bit more. What types of personal finance or money management habits were modeled into you by your parents, either explicitly or imp- implicitly? So Marisol, you talked about, you know, with the, with the allowance, but were there any other lessons or habits that you observed, you know, growing up at home? I think, I think that like the, the, the most evident one or, or, or yes, I think there would be the savings. My dad is an extremely like saver. Everything, he has this savings mentality. And I think it's part of, of how he was born in El Paso, but then born and then he grew up in Ciudad Juarez, which is in the border of, of Mexico. And he came to Mexico City almost like, I don't want to say like with nothing, but in, in, in a different economic or yeah, in a different economic situation. So he, he, he built everything from scratch. So he had like this, this culture of what I have is I'm not going to spend everything. I'm going to save some because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So that's one thing. And I think that's also, we saw it firsthand on the financial crisis in 2008. 
because of his savings habit, we did not see that that impact or that huge impact in our family that maybe others other family that do not have those emergency savings would have. So right. I think that's like something that has always been in my mind, the savings. Yeah, that's that's a powerful lesson for sure. And then can you share a little bit more about like the, the financial habits that you picked up from your parents growing up? For sure. So my both my parents in Nicaragua lived through the revolution in the 80s and then a post-revolution in the 90s. And I think this mentality of like austerity always remained there. They, I remember like a lot of like, growing up and have uh, been with some friends that, for example, one had a 15th birthday gift, like going to Miami to see this like band play. I think it was Backstreet Boys or something. I don't remember. And and I was like dying to do it. And my parents were like, "There's no need. It's too much money." I am very thankful that they helped me kind of understand that there's things you really need to work for things in life, and there's things that just are not necessary. Nice in this will help you in life a lot because you can separate luxuries from needs, you know, and kind of like make decisions around that. Since you do come from from different countries and different cultural backgrounds, how was it like coming to your first time coming to the United States? And was there a moment of like culture shock in terms of seeing different money habits? Sure. So I, I can quickly talk about two. The first one is my parents would, when I came to college, they would give me a lump sum for the semester. And for the first time I needed to manage and make it, you know, through and I was there at 18 years old and I made it through like month three and I was like, money was gone. So that was the first time that I realized, oh my God, if I don't really track what I'm spending and if I don't really uh, like organize myself, then it's going to be really bad throughout the entire four years. So that was one really aha moment. Like you you need to take care of your money. It, it's, it's so easy to spend it. And then the second one was saving like and building a budget when I got my first job and I didn't do it. And I think I went for a whole year just spending. And one year later, I started saving and I realized, oh, my God, like it just it was just about kind of like putting things in one account so that I could spend and a little bit somewhere else. And it made a difference. And then I had like an emergency fund and cushion and I was I regretted not doing it earlier. So those were two aha moments. That's fantastic. Marisol, do you want to share your aha moments? Well, the first time I, I lived in in the U.S. was when I I moved to Chicago to do my to to study my MBA. Kind of, it was the mix of the MBA culture, specific culture of of uh, spending a lot of money, or also the combination between that and the country. But for me, I think the aha moment was I was always, as I mentioned before, and my husband is as well. Like very, we, we have our budget, we have our save, we have our savings. We're very like the, the savers, right? And we have this specific budget for the MBA. And when we got there, I see, and I think I see it also after the MBA, the um, people I think in the U.S. are more, spend a lot more, get into a lot more debt. So that for me was, I think, like a shock between, oh my gosh, like people here, like everyone is traveling everywhere and people are buying cars and everything. So, and that's, I think that for me was a shock, a cultural shock between my money habits and what I saw when I moved here. Speaking of business school, you mentioned that you all both met while pursuing your MBAs at Booth. And can you talk a little bit more about the evolution of Agovest and first of all, what it is and second of all, how you all decided to work together. So first, I think just to tell 
tell you what Agovest is, is Agovest is financial education and automated tools platform. It's built, it's, it's built for women in Latin America and by women. So yes, we, we, we started in 2019. That's when we started operating, but the idea started in 2018 while we were at the MBA. Uh, the original idea or the, inspira- the inspiration came, I think, two ways. First, from, from my mom. My mom is this, like the type of women that she has, she has worked a lot. She has this top education. She's a lawyer from one of the top uh, law schools in Mexico City. She's a great mom. She has her own practice, her own private practice. And yet somehow she, at the age where she is now, she has no financial independence or financial security. And I see her, I see her word. And this, this person in this, in this story is also another person's mom, aunt, friend, another woman of, in her network. What worries us more is that that has, the, or this has not changed in our generation. So people in our generation, we, this culture of women or, or the, the person that manages the finance in the home is the, the, the man and not the women. And women are, do not touch the finances. They have no financial plan. And that's not changing. Not even, uh, in different socioeconomic levels, different education levels. It's the same. So unless we do something, unless we help women take or acknowledge their power and empower them to construct this financial security and independence, we're just going to see the same stories in 20 or 30 years more. So that's what we want to do at Agobest. We want to reduce the gender wealth gap and help women take charge and control of their financial future, especially in Latin America. And I'm guessing also in other developing countries, the traditional financial institutions do not target women. They are not, they're built by men and, and are built for men. So that's, that's something that why we wanted to focus on that. Also on my, the, the previous startup that I co-founded, uh, the majority of the investors are men. And I've heard this also about so many other fintechs in Latin America. They want to, to they want to get more women to save or invest in their platform. And, and they're not successful. So that's also why we wanted to only focus on women. And this position was also, it, it's also aligned with the customer discovery interviews that we made on why women are not using these financial products. And it, it's, it's, it's also very cultural. So we decided that in order to target women, we need to build something specifically for women and make them feel comfortable and safe. I love that. And I love what you pointed out about how syntaxs in Latin America kind of like advocating for more women. It's something that I wrote about, obviously, in my Forbes series where I featured you all as well on yes. how <laughs> on how fintechs in Latin America are really kind of trying to bridge that or have been able to bridge that inequality gap. And I'd love to hear out of curiosity as two female founders of a startup in Latin America, what has your experience been like in terms of dealing with potential, you know, partners and investors and things like that? I guess I'll start with Fernanda. For sure. So I think there's what I found so far, and I have less experience than Marisol. This is my first startup, is that that there's very few of us, right? But at the same time, that that creates for the few of us a community 
So for example, there's there's group of like women founders in fintechs that talk to each other and like try to help each other. So that's something that's growing that is like it's incredible. And I think that's on the one hand. On the other hand, I, I think because we are in finance, because it's a, a fintech, it, it has like an additional challenge because finance traditionally is for men. Right. And I had uh, the opportunity to work, as I mentioned, in both management. And I remember like how the, just working there was very challenging. Now imagine like founding, it's even more complicated. And I think you need to prove and to, to create like a mindset change. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And Marisol, as you mentioned, you have kind of the experience having worked in so many different startups before. So I'd love to hear your perspective on this as well. Yes, of course. So I think this is general in, in, all, in all the world. There are less women entrepreneurs. That's that's for sure. Less funding goes to women entrepreneurs. That's That's also a fact. But I've seen since we first started the the first startup, which that was in 2014, there has been a huge difference. There was the first unicorn in Mexico two two weeks ago. The first one, there was no other unicorn, and the uh, there was a woman in the founding team. So that was that's incredible, and that was an incredible news for for the entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem in Mexico. So yes, I think there's there's a gap, definitely a gap, but we're working towards it. I mean, I can, we can honestly talk about female representation <laughs> in finance and venture all day long, but we do, I do want to cover some of the questions that people have submitted for you all. I do have one that I just submitted myself, and that is, can you tell us about the origin of the name Agovest? Yes. So Agovest is a combination of two words. First is Ago, and Ago comes from a, native language in in Mexico that means strong women so it's it's it comes from agokaki so we just cut it and and then best comes from in best we want it to be something that's not in english that it's like it has the origins in the origin of of the women in our cultures yeah I, I love, yeah, I love that origin story. I think it's so cool. I mean, when I first learned about it, I was like, wow, what a unique take on, on the name. So thank you for sharing that. So the first question comes from someone who asked, how should a young adult prepare financially for their first apartment or real estate purchase? I, I really suggest doing a lot of research, like even before you start setting yourself uh, goals for, you know, the amount, because even if you go like the, the mortgage way, you're going to have to save uh, for a down payment. And I think depending on whether you can put 10% or 20%, the cost um, of the overall mortgage changes. Like, uh, for example, I was doing research exactly about this. And if you are able to save 20%, then uh, there's a lot of insurance that you no longer have to pay. There's a lot of, you know, very interesting benefits that you get for like saving and putting down a little more. And then the second thing that for first time home buyers, there's also a lot of benefits for mortgages that I would also recommend researching. So it's good to find out all the details in your specific yeah. But it was just in that process a few weeks ago. So yeah, she can tell yeah, for I was looking you right first. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so can I, did you end up buying or putting an offer in or are you still researching? We put an offer. I have to tell like the story. It's a, uh, we put an offer, we got, a, we, uh, like, it got accepted. And for like one day we had a home. It was super exciting. Uh, but then scenarios change. So you have five days uh, to like do a 
kind of like our research on the home, they allow you to bring people to like look at everything. And if you find out new information or something that you don't like, you're about, you are allowed to walk away. So we ended up walking away because the house was like older in some parts that we bought and we would need to reconstruct some more of the pipes and it would be like much more expensive that we had eventually. Yes. But that it's a good part of the process that it's really good to know. And, you know, we, we had a very good feel there and that she, she was always very transparent. So yeah, for now we have paused. But we were very excited about the low rates. So we were just like jumping into seeing. <laughs> the second and final question is any quick advice for students who are thinking about going away for college? The first one is make sure that you research all the expenses. Like make sure that you go into the, the university, you know, website. They always list down everything that they expect that you will play, pay. Make sure that you look at uh, how much is rent around and have that clear because that will help you better understand uh, and better manage your budget, right? And the second one, which derives from this one, is make a budget. I think, as I was mentioning, that my money disappeared the first time that I had to manage it. So I I really recommend making sure that you uh, track your expenses, get to know your spending habits, understand your priorities, and like have visibility into your financial position each uh, time uh, so that you don't get into bad surprises. That's advice that I can give. Awesome. Well, ladies, it was such a pleasure to have you on Money Memories. At the time, really flew by. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And I can't wait to see where your platform grows from here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ilona. Thank you for inviting us. And it's always, it's great to work with you. Always. Thanks, ladies. Make sure to visit our website at www.bearinthebull.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you like what you heard, please leave a rating on iTunes. Feel free to tell your friends about the show and connect with us on social media. See you soon. Support for LPM Podcasts comes from the Eye Care Institute and Butchertown Clinical Trials, where they strive for diversity, equity, and inclusion within their staff, patients, and clinical trial participants. To learn more, visit butchertown.clinic. Thank you.